Welcome to the Vineyard Church Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information on this podcast or other resources, go to vineyardlive.us. To learn more about us, go to thevineyardchurch.us. y'all doing this morning? Hey, I just want to welcome our Sullivan family and Vineyard Live family. Could you all give them a warm welcome? So excited to join you and excited to share with you this morning. So one morning, I was in that in-between state of sleep and awake. You you ever been in that place where, you know, you don't know if you want to get up yet, so you're just kind of asleep, and then I I heard this really loud deep voice say, you're never going to be free. And I was like, I, I woke up instantly. I was kind of frozen and stiff. And I was like, what, what was that? Was that real? It's like, what was that voice? Like I was in a time in my life where Jesus had been freeing me from lots of addictions, uh, dispelling all these lie, lies in my head. It was actually a pretty powerful time. But after that morning, something shifted. And for the next several months, I began to experience this intense hopelessness. It was like every time I was alone, I I would spiral downward into these really, really dark thoughts. And and I would try to pray and and worship. And and it was just like nothing would help. And and those words, you're never going to be free, just kept ringing over and over in my head. They just seemed so true. So one Friday night, I'm by myself, I'm I'm in this really dark place, I didn't want to go anywhere, I didn't want to be around people or anything, and I I start to hear this other voice that said, you need to go to the young adult conference. And, you know, our church had done its first young adult conference, and I wasn't going to go, I didn't want to be around people, I I wasn't going to go, but I I kept hearing this voice say, you need to go, and I'm like, I'm not going to go. You need to go. I'm not going to go. You ever do that with God? You know, there's back and forth. And he's like, you need to go. And I'm like, fine, I'll go, I'll go, you know. So that night, a pastor was speaking about their battle with depression. And how for five years, he battled and he battled. And and some days, he couldn't even get out of bed. He had to have his uh, uh, friends lift him up. And as he was sharing his journey, I'm sitting in the very far back like holding back tears, my, my jaw kind of on the floor just going, what he is describing is exactly what I've been experiencing for the last months, the, the hopelessness, the despair, not wanting to be around people. It was just like this dark time. And so finally at the end, he does a ministry call and literally Half the people in the room just walk up, and I'm like, well, I am not going up there. But all of a sudden, I found myself walking up, like, what am I doing? I don't want to do this. And then the waterworks start, right? I just start sobbing, and like the ugly cry, just like, what am I doing? I don't want to do this, you know? So there's like lines of people, and, you know, there's four, and so I like hide behind the person there, like, I don't know why I'm there. I'm just like undone, kind of embarrassed, for sure. And of course, the pastor kind of, looks around and starts going back, all four lines of people, grabs onto my shoulder and pulls me up and begins to pray for me in private. 
And as he prayed for me, he started to speak this truth over my life, like the thoughts that God had about me. And I literally felt something lift off of me. And it was like this hope began to to rise up. And all of a sudden, that phrase, you're never going to be free, didn't seem so true anymore. See, we've been in a powerful series called Hope Rising, God's presence in our pain. And each week, we've actually been building this amazing arsenal of weapons to help move us from hopeless situations into places of hope. And we've learned some powerful phrases like, hope rises when we look for a redeemer, not a reason. Or doubt is dynamic and it leads us into places of faith. Or when we share the load with each other, breakthrough happens. And last week we learned that passionate patience is formed as we praise in the middle of a storm. And so today, I want to talk about something that has been really life-changing for me, but also continually challenging as I journey through life with Jesus. And it's this. How do we listen to the right voice? Let's pray. Lord, I just welcome your presence. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Spirit of truth, we invite you into this room. And I just pray all the other voices that often bombard us would be silenced and we could hear your voice, Lord. We're open to you in Jesus' name. Amen. So just this last week, I was listening to this teaching by Jonathan Helser. He wrote Raise a Hallelujah, for those of you that know that song. And uh, he said something I really liked. He says, the voice we listen to is the voice that defines you. See, there are so many voices around us all the time trying to tell us who we are, how to act, what to think, what, what to do. And many times these voices can lead us down some pretty dark places like places of anxiety or worry or hopelessness or, or maybe there's times that you don't feel like you're worth anything or maybe you always feel like a failure. See, these voices make lots of promises, promises of, of comfort, like if you do this, you'll feel better or promises of, of acceptance, like if I go along with what they're doing, they're, they'll accept me. And you see, this voice loves to tell us who we should be but then condemn us when we don't measure up. And it has an agenda to give you another identity and to lead you away from your destiny. You see, this voice has a name. Jesus calls him the thief. He says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But maybe the voice that I've found him to be best at is the father of lies. You know, it's interesting that Jesus calls him a father. You see, fathers have a role of speaking identity over people and calling people into their destiny. Like fathers will often see what many of us won't see. They'll see giftings and callings in people. And so many times a father will awaken a calling in somebody and help them step into their destiny. So when the father of lies begins to speak over you, 
what he says can feel so compelling. It's almost hypnotizing. It's, it's so compelling that it can feel like the truth. See, I believe the root issue is that many of us have become addicted to the wrong voices. It's like we can't stop ourselves from listening to them. You know, one time someone told me, wow, I just love how free you are in worship. You used to be so stiff. And I was like, all of a sudden this, this voice that was meant to be an encouragement kind of get twisted a little bit. And now it's a voice of discouragement. That ever happened to you? I was like, wait, I was stiff? You see, these voices are tricky. And when you start listening to their lies, they start redefining who you are and who you think you are. And you feel like you can't hear what's true anymore. But see, the reality is you were designed to hear the truth because the truth is the person who created you, Jesus. See, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the life. And maybe even better, he says, my sheep listen to my voice and I call them by name. He calls you by name. You see, we were made to hear his voice of truth. So why is it sometimes so hard to hear him? Do you guys ever ask God for a word of the year? Have you ever done that? Like, you know, maybe your word of the year is like courage or boldness. Anybody ever do that in here? Anyone? A couple people? All right, maybe five. All right, great. You know, I, I did that for several years, but you know about the eighth month in, I'm like, what was that word again? You know, they just didn't seem to be working for me. So the beginning of this year, it, it was weird. Like, I, I really sensed that the, the Lord said my word for the year is giant slayer. I was like, oh, giant slayer. That, that, that's a pretty good word. I, I kind of think I kind of like that. I'm going to be a giant slayer. Yeah, you know, get all excited but you know what? I was surprised to discover that most of the giants that I've been facing have been giants in my head and in my heart. Like lies that have challenged who God is. Lies that have challenged who God made me to be. Like not letting circumstances define who I am or my value or my worth. You see, in many ways, the biggest battles we face for our minds. So I want to look at one of the most famous giant slayers around, King David. You see, David battled lots of voices in his life. He actually wrote most of the Psalms that we read. And in those Psalms, he is well acquainted with hopelessness and despair and fear and pain in his life. Like he was actually chased for 15 years. Can you imagine being chased for 15 years, not having a place to live, like hide, you're in hideouts and caves? He was betrayed by his own son. His own son tried to overthrow him. He made lots of huge mistakes, like committing adultery and even being an accessory for murder. And he even experienced the grief of losing a child. You see, through the Psalms, you can hear his hopelessness and, and all the different voices he battled with. But I think the biggest key to know about David is this, that when he was a boy, he was anointed king. Just when he was a boy. And it says this, the spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. You see, David got to experience 
what very few people in the Old Testament experience, God's presence. So in every joyful or painful experience, even when he didn't feel it, God was there. He never left him. He was there to stay. So David is actually a great example of what we all have access to today. The voice of truth, the healer, the comforter, the guide. And the first time we see David in public, in the public eye, is when he meets Goliath. Now, David and Goliath, I mean, probably one of the most famous stories out there. You guys know this story, right? Goliath is this, this giant. He's nine feet tall. Now, I'm 6'3". I'm pretty tall. Can you imagine nine feet, like three more feet? This, this dude is huge, full of armor, has this huge sword, and every day he came out and just yells these curses about God and curses about Israel. And, and the, the men are so gripped with fear and terror, they just run away. So eventually, David comes on the scene. You know, David, he's still a young man. He's under 20 years old. And he convinces Saul to let him fight Goliath. And there's lots of opposition to this, but finally Saul agrees. And so we know the story. David goes out. He takes this shepherd's sling and with a rock, and he winds it up and slings it at Goliath. It hits Goliath in the head, and it supernaturally sinks into his head, to his brain, and Goliath dies. Now, as my son Nathan would say, that story is epic. <laughs> he just loves that word. But you see, Goliath wasn't the biggest giant that was slain in the story. See, the bigger giants were the voices of opposition, the voices that tried to define who David was and keep him from stepping into his destiny. You see, the father of lies has many voices. And David actually battles three of them that I think we're all pretty familiar with. The voice of the accuser, the voice of condemnation, and the voice of discouragement. The first one he battles is the voice of the accuser. Who do you think you are? Your God has no power. He's not a deliverer. He's not going to follow through. See, the accuser is clever. He often knows places that were very susceptible, places that were more open. See, Goliath was a very effective mouthpiece as the accuser. Why do we know this? Because he would come out and yell all these blasphemies, these curses about God, and full-grown men every day for 40 days would be like, ah, and run away. I mean, you would think after day 20, they'd be like, all right, let's go get him. No, like even day 20, they're like, ah, you know. So why didn't David run away? Why wasn't David scared of this voice? I believe it was because David didn't just know about God. David knew him. See, he knew him intimately. They spent time together as a, when he was a shepherd in the field, when, when no one else was looking. You see, David built history with God. He tells this story to convince Saul to let him fight. He says, you know, when, when lions and bears would attack my sheep, I would grab the lion by the hair, I'd rescue the lamb from its mouth, and then I would club it to death. I mean, supernatural power. They shared experiences together. They shared breakthrough. This is where David learned to hear God's voice. You see, what they built together in private was now his confidence in public. 
And you can hear it in his voice. He says, the Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. You can hear the confidence in his words. You see, the voice of the accuser is silenced when we build history with God. Not who we think he is, but who we know him to be. See, we become part of his story. His story. History. See what I did there? I like the word history because it it kind of connotates this permanent memory stone. Like in the Old Testament, when God would break through with some freedom or healing, they would actually build this altar to remember his faithfulness. You know, or like I opened Facebook today, and it said, oh, two years ago, you, you did this. And I was like, oh, yes. I remember that encounter. I, I remember that. You know, it, it's, a, it's a memory that we remember. See, I love what Bill Johnson, how Bill Johnson from Bethel Church, he puts it. He says, if you make history with God... He will make history through you. You see, our time in God's presence is crucial. It it is crucial. It's where we learn to know and trust the voice of God, and our starting place is the Word. Can I just say something? We need to be in the Word. We need to be in the Word. You know why we need to be in the Word? Because the Word is actually called the sword of the Spirit. It's, the word is rhema. It means the spoken word to specific situations. So when we're going through a hopeless situation and we start to read the word and God begins to speak that word into our heart, hope begins to bubble up and it starts to become a weapon. You see, David didn't defeat Goliath with a physical sword. But he did with a spiritual sword. See, the word that was spoken into his heart, who God had shown himself to be when they were together in private. That's where he learned to know the voice to listen to. One of my friends used to say, read the word until the word reads you. I love that because when you start reading the word and something hits your heart, uh, you start to go, whoa, or maybe you even start to cry. Then you know the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit is starting to speak. And that truth That moment is now becoming part of your history together. See, David knew God like this. He knew what he was like, and he knew what he was not like. Sometimes that's even more important. See, when the voice of the accuser comes and starts spewing these venomous words and lofty opinions about God, David doesn't run away because he's like, uh, that, that's not my God. He's not like that. I know God. He, he is not like that. I love, I love what he says. He says, you come against me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. Man, that's good. See, he built history with God. What's your history? Do you remember what he's like? Have you spent time with him to learn to hear his voice? Are you and God Facebook official? Are you, guys, are you two in a relationship? You know, we used to joke that, that hey, that relationship ain't real till it's on Facebook. Are you and God in a relationship, right? See, hope rises when we build history with God because that history becomes our victory. It overwhelms the accuser's voice with the voice that we already know and trust to be true. So we have the voice of the accuser. And then we have the voice of condemnation. 
You see, if the accuser can't distort who God is, then he'll condemn who you are. And, you know, sometimes he uses someone we're really close to to speak it. Listen to this verse. When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, Why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Why is it that those closest to us have the highest potential to shut us down? To misunderstand our motives, to to keep us from stepping in to who we really are. You know, I know many siblings and and parents that have spoken some really hurtful things over their children or, or, or their brothers and sisters. Like, words can often create worlds. And the voice of condemnation can rob hope like no other. In many cases, people step away from their dream or their calling because of them. Isn't it interesting, the choice of David's brother's words here? He goes, I know how conceited and wicked your heart is. See, what is David going to be known for in the New Testament? What is he going to be famous for? He's famous for a man after God's own heart. So isn't it just like the enemy to come after who David is becoming and attack it? What if the voice of condemnation attacking you because he's threatened by your destiny? I remember one time before knowing Jesus, I was sitting around with some coworkers and some friends, and somehow we started talking about who among us could be a pastor. And I remember them looking at, at my friend Jeff, and they're like, oh, Jeff, I could totally see you being a pastor. You're awesome, dude. And then they looked at me, and they're like, but Daniel, sorry, dude, I, I don't think you could ever be a pastor. And I was kind of like, ouch. You know, and I had no intention of becoming a pastor, but I was like, what is that saying about my character? And, you know, I kind of want to go, look at me now, you know. (laughs) But I won't do that, no. But sometimes the voice of condemnation comes from those that are closest to us. But you see, a fruit of building history is confidence in identity. See, when we learn to recognize his voice, we become confident in who we are. And see, David replies to his brother just like this. He's like, now what have I done? David said, can I even speak? And then it says, he turns around and starts talking to the other soldiers. I know this kind of seems simple, but he ignores him. See, we can't let other people's voices, even some that are closest to us, define who we are. This doesn't mean that people can't speak into our lives or or even correct us. It means that not everyone has access to be a voice in our life. So those that come with anger and condemnation and not love, they actually lose the ability to speak into your life. You can ignore them. I love what the Apostle Paul says. He says, we will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, We will speak the truth in love. See, something true about you doesn't mean it's the truth. Because the truth will always come with love. You know what the voice of condemnation likes to do? It likes to point out your mistakes. It likes to shame you. It likes to make you feel helpless likes to condemn you for who you are. And yeah, maybe we did make a mistake, but you know what? My worth and my value are not defined by my mistakes. 
They're defined by God. And so when the voice of condemnation comes, we can ignore it because the truth will always come with love. Building history gives confidence and identity. And we're able to ignore the wrong voice because he's already told us who we are. So there's accuser, condemnation, and then there's the voice of discouragement. Man, do I ever relate to this one. See, David had a vision of what he was supposed to do. I'm not going to let this giant defy Israel. I'm not going to let him win. But, you know, no one else believed he could do it. His brother didn't believe it, and even King Saul didn't believe it. King Saul says, there is no way you're going to defeat this giant. You're just a boy. And, and Goliath has been a warrior since he was a youth. You see, the voice of discouragement will always keep you away from who you are becoming. It's threatened. But finally, Saul gives in, and then he does this. It says, then Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet and a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped the sword over it, and took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things before. I can't go in these, he protested. I'm not used to them. David took them off again. You know, maybe Saul means well here, but what he's saying is, David, what you bring is not enough. You know, sometimes the biggest discouragement doesn't come from what people tell you, but how people treat you. And for a moment, David listens to this voice. If I'm going to defeat this giant, I, I got like, to be like the other warriors. I, I got to be like Saul. And he, and he puts on the armor and he begins to walk around in it. Like, how often does this happen? When we think we're not enough, and so we try to be someone else. You know, maybe it's to fit an expectation of a parent or, or, or a friend. Or maybe we see someone else's success and we're like, oh, I have to be like them to have value or worth. See, nothing steals hope like a discouraging voice. It's the voice that says, you're not good enough. Not good enough, I'm not worthy. You see, the father of lies is actually most threatened by our true identity because it's being rooted in our identity where we find our destiny. We find out who we are. See, David realizes this. He's like, this is not me. This doesn't fit me. And he takes off the armor, and he remembers his history with God. I love this. He says, then he took his staff in his hand, his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. There's something really key that I want you to get here. Really key. See, when David grabs his shepherd's staff and his sling, instead of Saul's sword, he's coming into agreement with who God says he is. See, we can't just listen to his voice. We actually need to come into agreement with him. I love how Jesus put this. He says, if you hold on to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. See, if you hold on to what I've said, if you hold on to how I've defined you, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You know, sometimes it's really scary to be yourself. 
Will they accept me? Will they, will they still like me? A- am I enough? You see, David took hold of who he was. You know, he wasn't a king yet. He was a shepherd boy who was loved by the Lord. And when he was able to be himself, he was able to walk into his destiny and slay the giant. See, hope rises when we're able to be ourselves, to not put on a mask, not try to look like someone else or be someone else. See, that is when we silence the voice of discouragement that's trying to steal, kill, and destroy everything that you are. See, building history releases destiny. It silences the accuser, the condemner, the the discourager, every other voice but his voice because his is the one that is leading you. Who's leading you? What voice are you listening to? I want to share a really powerful story of one of my dearest friends, Joanna. You know, we've walked through a lot together. She's been there for Katie and I and my family. We've been there for her. Lots of ups and downs. And, you know, she's battled many voices in her life. But I want you to see the powerful journey that Jesus has been leading her on. Let's watch. I was 16, and I was feeling all the things that a 16-year-old girl feels. I wasn't being guided to bring those things to Jesus. And so I was trying to deal with them myself. And I was really sad. And then one day I was watching TV, and this commercial came on, and it was for a depression medication. And the person said, are you sad? Do you feel like there's a cloud that's following you? And all these things, and suddenly in my heart, I was like, yes, this is it. And I, in that moment, it was like I agreed wholeheartedly with that, with that message. And that there, there was something wrong with me, and that's why I felt the way I did. And so I remember I went into my parents' room, and I just said, hey, I think I have depression. Can you take me to the doctor? And for 10 years, I was on medication, off medication, on medication. I would get to a place where I thought, I don't need this anymore. And I'd stop taking it. And because I wanted to feel something. And I was sick of the side effects and everything. And so, but then the depression would just come back. Life with depression probably looks a lot different than you think. I've had people say, so could you ever, could you get out of bed? Were you just like trapped inside and you never saw anyone? And that was not the case. Um, I did isolate myself a lot, but I also uh, was very, you know, high functioning. (laughs) Um, I was a volunteer, high level volunteer. I was a leader. I was leading small groups. I was leading worship and living in a personal hell. And there's this constant stream of lies that are just going through your head. You are not worth anything. Nobody actually likes you. Or you're only worth what you give. And that it will never change. I think that's the biggest lie that I believed was this will never change. It could never get better because this is who I am. So I kind of, I came to a place in my life where I was sick of it. And I didn't know how much more I could take of being depressed. And um, I had actually gone to my doctor 
and we were at the highest dosage I could be on of my medication. And I said, what could we do? She's like, you know, this is where we're at right now. And I remember just starting to cry in her office. And I just said, I think that the only thing that can help me now is Jesus. I think that's all I have. And my doctor agreed. <laughs> she said, yeah, I think you're right. I was at the college ministry night. We had a college service. And the pastor there um, who was speaking, we had a guest speaker, he started talking about depression and he felt like God wanted to bring healing to depression. And I had been prayed for so many times, so many times. To me, it was kind of like, this will never work. I went forward for prayer and it was like the Holy Spirit led me on a healing prayer. And suddenly I saw myself as that 16 year old girl who had accepted depression into my life. And God showed me that in that moment, more had happened than I realized. I um, repented, which just means I changed my mind. I told God, God, I am sorry that I believed the lies that I am worthless. I am sorry for believing that I have no value, that no one could ever love me, that no one could like me. I'm sorry, God, for believing that the only peace I could ever have is if I accept a label that's not from you. Truth started to flood my mind and I started to agree with it. And just, it was like truth just started coming in and I said, Jesus, I agree. I have worth and value. I agree that you love me. I agree that people can like me and love me. I agree with you, Jesus, and I reject every lie that I've been believing, and I'm sorry, God, I don't wanna do it anymore. I'm turning around. I remember going home and just, uh, I called my doctor the next day, and I said, okay, how do I get off my medication? Because I knew it would be unwise to just immediately stop. And so my doctor gave me the plan and for the next few months, I was living on a mountaintop. It was like being, you know, we talk about being born again. It felt like being born again. I had my first birthday. I had my first Christmas. I had my first party where I didn't feel like I had to stand in the corner and escape as soon as possible. Everything felt different. You know, once Jesus, healed me of depression. It was the start of another journey. And it was a journey of keeping the freedom I had and expanding the territory that God had given me. Um, you know, because the enemy would come back and test the same places that used to work. And so I had to change my habits. I, you know, listened to worship music. I started to feed myself something different. I fed myself worship. I had to feed myself the Word of God. And you know, my life is, is a continual journey of finding more of that freedom, more of that joy, going deeper, allowing Him to use my story even more because I want other people to know depression is not your destiny. Your destiny is freedom and it is found in the truth of Jesus Christ. Thanks, Joe. <laughs> Thanks for sharing such a powerful story. Your journey is going to change a lot of lives. 
And I love what she just said. Depression is not your destiny. Anxiety is not your destiny. Worry is not your destiny. Despair is not your destiny. Unworthiness is not your destiny. Your destiny is freedom. And that is found in the truth of Jesus Christ. Where is his story in your life? You know, there's a lie out there that says you're never going to be free, but you know what? Joanna's story proves that he's not just a comforter, but he's still a healer. He's still setting captives free, right? You know, there's no issue in your life that's too big, that he's never going to leave you. He's, it's never too big. He's never going to run away from you. He is here. He is here for you. Can we make a commitment in this room this morning, Sullivan? Can we make a commitment to make history, to build history with God so that no other voice, no accusing voice, no other voice will ever lead us astray again? Can we make that commitment, church? So, Lord, I just thank you. I thank you for your voice, God, that we were designed to hear it. I want you to put your hands on your ears. Right now, we just release the spirit of truth. We release these ears to hear. And in places where they couldn't hear before, be opened right now in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord, that you are the voice of truth. And every lie has to bow down to your voice. I thank you for the freedom that you're releasing in this room, Lord. Because who the Son sets free is free indeed. We bless you and we welcome your presence. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the message today. To experience more powerful messages, go to vineyardlive.us or join our Vineyard Live Plus community to view conferences, trainings, and special teachings.